In the shadow of the most powerful city in the world, the Capital Golf Gang is on the air with instructor John Ronis from the Ronis Academy at River Creek, executive director of the Middle Atlantic PGA, John Gould, and now your host in Washington, D.C., Steve Zabin. Couple inches of snow on the ground in the old DMV. It is the depth of winter for the Capital Golf Gang. Episode two, and we have three of our four panelists assembled. Yours truly with Buddy Christensen from Golfdom and John Ronis from River Creek. Mr. Ghoul is running late, boys. And you know what Mr. Uh Ghoul does when he is an official USGA rules administrator on the golf course at a tournament when somebody is 10 minutes late for their tee time? Yeah! (laughs) (laughs) So wait till he finds out we started the episode without him straight up at 4 o'clock. Do you think he'll mind or do you think Ronis he'll accept it and be like, ah, you know what, I deserved it? He'll have to accept it. <laughs> right. That's the way it like is. I like mean, all the people. Sorry, like, there are no excuses. Uh, right. Right. I think John will be he'll be like, yeah, you know what? No problem. Glad you started without me. Uh, it is what it is. He's got a day job that pays money, which this side hustle doesn't yet pay, you know, money yet. <laughs> but we're working <laughs> on that. All right, boys. We got a lot to yeah. talk about today. So let's get cracking on it. First and foremost. How about Grayson Murray winning in Hawaii just, I don't know how many months after he had this famous dust-up with Rory McIlroy at a players-only meeting in the wake of the Live PGA Tour merger and the announcement of all these elevated events, more money, and Rory said to him basically, play better then. And it was at that point that Grayson Murray, I think, MF'd him and stormed out of the room. Now he's won, yeah. and I want to play the bite of him after. First of all, let's let's see the putt. You want to see the putt? I think yeah. I can oh, yeah. show this putt here. Let's see if you can see this. Can you see that? Can you hear that? Wow. Grayson Murray's done it again. So there you go right there. Did you see that, by the way? Yeah. yeah. Okay, good. Just checking to see if the software works. Okay, so then afterwards he was asked about what it meant and about his caddy saying, show me something, and it went deep really quick, and I thought it was great. Here he was. Grayson, you make a birdie in regulation to get into a playoff. I heard your caddy out there say to you hitting your third shot, show me something, and you did. What did you show yourself today? Uh that a lot of hard work pays off. Um, it's not easy, you know. Um, I wanted to give up a lot of times. Um, give up on myself. Give up on the game of golf. Give up on life at times. And um, you just persevere. And you, uh, when you get tired of fighting, let someone else fight for you. And uh, that's what happened. How important is the work that you've done off the golf course, battling alcoholism, mental struggles. How important was that for you to be in the right frame of mind today? It's everything. You know, Jesus Christ is first and foremost. Without him, um, none of this would be possible. And um, he's just given me a platform to um, to write a new story, write, write my own story. And um, I hope everyone there at home watching can... Um, can get a little inspiration from me uh, if I just help one person. That's all. That's all it takes. Final thing, uh, you're now in all the signature events for this year. You're going to make your first appearance at Augusta National. You're going to be in the Players. You're going to be at the PGA Championship. How impactful is this win for you and your career? It's a lot for my career. Um, I knew today was not going to change my life. Um, my fiance changed my life. Jesus Christ changed my life. Today wasn't going to change my life, but it did change my career a little bit, and um, I'm excited. Congratulations on the win. Thanks, Tom. You got it. Dan? All right. How about that, huh? Wow. I didn't see that. I, I guess this was going on during the uh, 
playoff game, I think. It right? was the end yes. of it. I watched I watched the, the playoff and then I flipped it off. That that's pretty awesome. He um I was on a trip with the pro at his club before I knew I'd ever heard of him. And he said this guy is gonna be so good if he can get himself together. And this was he didn't have an alcohol problem or at least not like anything that was outward. He he just had a bad attitude or, or just a wild guy. And, and uh, he's gone through some ups and downs, but it's been unbelievable what he's done over life. I mean, he won a few times at the end of last year, right? Corn Ferry tour, I think. I believe so. Yeah. Um, not on the, yeah, not on the PGA tour, but um, it's awesome to see them all collected together like that. Really. He uh, beat Cameron Smith yeah. by a stroke to win the Corn Ferry tour in his rookie season. And he also played in the U.S. Open at 2013. He said he went into a dark, dark place. Uh, anxiety, depression, alcoholism. Almost died in a motorcycle crash. Said there was a tournament that he basically got done playing and then went to the pool and played pool volleyball and got hammered <laughs> multiple days in a row and then woke up and played hungover the next day. Obviously, he was in a dark spot, and now he's much better. This is why, Ronis, I always say golf is a redemption sport. It gives people a chance for redemption, which is a beautiful thing. Well, life is a redemption sport. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. So his comment that his life wouldn't change, but his career would change was is a great comment. There's no question about it. You know, it's... Uh, there's a lot of things that we all face and you feel for anyone who has a disease like that. Um, and, and hopefully that that was the cause of him being a bit prickly. Um, and I'm not talking about the Rory situation, but just in life in general. So hopefully, you know, he has a different perspective on it and it sounds like he surrounded himself with some good people. And, um, you know, it's going to be a day to day thing for him because it's a, it's an addiction. So, I hope that his true talents is all he's asking is that his true talents will come out. Right. And uh, it seems like it did at least for one week. Yeah. You know, the whole golf and alcohol discussion is sometimes an uncomfortable one, isn't it? Because the two are so intertwined. I mean, heck, there are clubs that have their signature cocktail embroidered on the hats they sell in the pro shop and it's like, Oh, you got to get, I got to get one of these. I, I played recently at a club where uh, there was such a thing. And my host said, mm. I got you one of these hats. And I'm like, thanks. Thanks. Great. It's a cocktail. And I drink cocktails. I'm not a teetotaler, obviously, but it was just sort of like, yeah, it, 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 it's booze. <laughs> like, why do I want a booze hat? <laughs> do you have a logo? <laughs> like a course logo or something right. like that? So, yeah, but it, they do intertwine themselves, which is, you know, from a, on the country club side. Big um, time. And I, yeah. And I think, you know, there's different sides to that whole thing, whether that's good or not. You know, Chris Kirk also went through the alcoholism and, and redemption too. Right. And he won the first, first tournament. Right. So, well, uh, yeah, a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And there are, there are lots of opportunities to turn to the bottle for solace when you're out there grinding away, trying to keep your card, trying to make a living away from your family and young children, lonely, isolated, and in Greensboro. No offense to Greensboro. I can see. Yeah, it. but there's 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 also that going to the bottle when it's 22 degrees outside and you're a roofer. You know, so let's not put anything special. I on know. Golf in general, let's just I know. Let's just be happy that he's he's found his way a little bit. But you know, again, it's it is a really really hard sport, and it ebbs and flows so much that if you aren't totally dedicated and have a great support system, yeah, you can easily go down there. I look at it like this: like I like lobster, but sometimes when I eat lobster, I wonder if the lobster is just a conduit for me to eat a stick of butter. <laughs> oh, it so is. I think it's totally. At, yes. At golf at times, I wonder if golf is a conduit to people just getting completely whacked out of their mind on various things. And it's uh, it gets a little bit crazy out there to babysit those people when they're playing, especially well, in like a member guest. It's insane. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, member guests obviously are big on that. Um, golf cart or you know beverage cart revenue for golf courses, Mr. Ronas, is a not insignificant slice of the revenue pie at a club. Alcohol right? revenue keeps clubs going. <laughs> Alcohol revenue keeps clubs going. Really? That much so? Oh, yeah. Inside and outside? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Like, let's say you were to ban alcohol, hypothetically, across America, new prohibition. How many clubs would yeah. be in dire financial trouble? Almost everyone. All but six of them in I... Utah. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Well, and, and the game of golf would hurt a little bit, too, right? There'd be a few less people playing. Oh, because um, it is kind of their escape and their time and they're enjoying all of it. Right. And they may not they may not play golf at that point. Oh, I think you're right, buddy. I think it would it would crush the sport if that was the case, because the combination of a relaxing round of golf with a libation or two responsibly consumed is a great joy in life. And so therefore it would be it would be very bad. Oh, there's also I think there's a nine hole Amish course in uh, Pennsylvania Dutch country. They'd <laughs> yeah. be okay yeah, very in this popular. in this hypothetical. Very but popular. yeah, well, you know, their dues are very high though. <laughs> they have a high monthly there at uh, yeah, Quaker and, yeah, Quaker Acres, up. I believe it is called Quaker Acres right. nine holer. And you have to pick up after the horses as they go around the course, so it's tough. I, I believe you have to mow a green yourself as part of your greens fees because, you know, no. the Amish are so industrious and self-sufficient. No. <laughs> okay. They have sheep do that. <laughs> okay, No motors allowed. Here's a challenge. If somebody knows of an Amish-run golf course, let us yeah. know because I think a, a quick road trip this summer up there would be a good idea. Yeah. It's only a couple hours well, from us. Well, I'll grow some beards and go up there and play. <laughs> oh, the Ezekiel yeah. Open. Huh? Yeah. But I'll tell you what, they will have the best barns of any <laughs> golf course in the country because they are the best at building barns. If we had a one-day outing where we dressed up in traditional garb and played golf, would that be cultural appropriation? Or would they welcome us and say, ah, my friend, I'm so glad you're here. <laughs> I think they'd hand us a drink at the door and say, what are you doing? Yeah. Well, one last ad on the alcohol front. And this is tough for me because I have two what I consider very close friends that have been on my golf trip to Pinehurst every year who are not going to be there again this spring for the second straight year. And it's because they're on the wrong side of the alcohol life equation. You know, they're still, you know, working and functioning, but they know that this event, this three-day weekend event, has traditionally been a place in which they go low, they go deep, and not in a good way. And so, therefore, they just don't feel like it's good for them to go. And that hurts because we all love these two guys very much. They are, I think, the beating heart of the trip, and they're missed badly. And I just wish I could dial them two clicks to the left, but that's not how it works with people who have Well, is all... Trouble with on your trip is all they have to do is look to their left at a good friend of ours that we've spent a lot of time with, and he turned his life completely around. Who had some major addictions well, to Ron, those things? Well, it's Ron, probably on that trip. Yeah, Ron Thomas is on the trip, and he did. He turned his life around right. from not just the bottle, but uh, the powder and the pills and everything else. But everything, that I everything. know, and, Ronnie and, is and just he's a model so person. and he's so supportive. But again. You have to want to yourself. I also was uh, taken aback when it comes to golf and alcoholism, just how, you know, I'd run the Potomac Cup Cup golf tournament every year, which is our Ryder Cup, Virginia versus Maryland. It was weekend amateur players. You had to be pretty good players. But it got to the point where a number of players, they would be there and they would start drinking so heavily, it was just like a guy's golf trip, not a competition which is what I had hoped and envisioned it to be, to the point that one guy, whose name I won't mention, who is well-known in the Middle Atlantic region playing amateur events, would have to, have to slam a beer at 7 a.m. to get his nerves calmed down. And I remember seeing that at the Potomac Cup that I had spent hours and hours and hours 
putting in time to make it as perfect, as legit, as high class as possible, and he's shotgunning a beer on the first tee. And I'm just like, what am I doing? Too bad. Tough one. Too bad. And, and, you know, and, and personally, you know, I, I go on a trip uh, in the fall with, with uh, 16 college fraternity brothers, and, and we've got one that hasn't been able to make it the last couple of years. He's struggling. He's not in good shape. Um, and it's sad. And, and part of it is I don't know, you know, the environment that we're in is we're having fun and, and probably going a little deep. I wouldn't say going right. too far deep, Couple but it wouldn't, be in a, a, it wouldn't be a good environment for him to even be in to be part of that at this point. But but we would we would make it a different trip if he were to get himself in the right shape. But he's not even close right now. And right. Sadly, I don't think he'll ever be. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, look who just ambled up to the first tee box. One John Ghoul. Wow. Hello, Mr. Wow. Ghoul. How are you? Good. Two strokes for being late. Oh, no, no, no. No, no, no. DQ. This is, this is a DQ. In fact, you Ronis, know, just say DQ'd and you go. Yeah, I DQ. I'm the official today. Wow. And you are disqualified. He's like, if you look like at me. Riding around in the, in the car That's fair. with your friends, feel free. <laughs> look at me. Look at me. I'm totally the captain fair. now, says Ronis. He just DQ'd you. It's unbelievable. Uh, Mr. And Gould. he said that's fair. We thought he would say that, too. Yeah, right? we knew he would say that. We knew he would. I knew that Cool Hand Ghoul would respond just the way he did. He understands. Sometimes sometimes you ride the bull. Sometimes the bull gets you. All right. Hey, uh, Cool, we're going to take a break here in just a quick second, but I had a question for you about the ruling that got a lot of people riled up at the Sony regarding, and I forget the young player's name. He's kind of a, a newbie on tour. Hit a ball over one of the concession and or grandstand tents, and they gave Correct. him a drop based on the ball, quote, virtually certainly, virtually certain to have landed in the concession stand. They never found the ball. They just said, yeah, it's probably in there somewhere. Was that a good ruling in your humble opinion? Well, you know, I, I wasn't there, uh, but from what Agreed. I saw on video, so virtually certain, we describe as a rules official, you're 95% confident. So a lot of times that comes into play with a penalty area, is are you virtually certain the ball's in the water? Well, I don't know. It hid in all those trees, and the water's right behind it. Well, to me, that's not virtually certain. You see a splash, that's virtually certain. Uh, so in this case, the video I saw where they were tracking the ball, and then it kind of disappeared, and you're really not sure if it went over or went in. You know, if I'm standing where the camera is, no, I'm not virtually certain. Uh, but you, but your job is to compile, as a full official is to compile facts. Did somebody see it? Did somebody hear it? Supposedly and I don't know how true this is, two people saw it go into the concession area. Two. And the rule is, is if, um, if you see it go in, if you're virtually certain it's in there, quote, unquote, losing it in, in one of those uh, temporary movable obstructions, you get relief. Um, but I, I, I just don't know the question of fact whether the two people uh, who supposedly saw it go in really saw it or not. It's, it's hard to say from, from our perspective. If, watching it on TV, no, I don't think they were virtually certain. But you had to really be on site to be able to make that call, I think. Mm. Okay. Any thoughts, boys, on that ruling? Did you see the one in particular? Who was the player again? I It was it's the Carl Juan guy, right? Yeah. Yes. Or, yeah. The guy who got and, in when Rom uh, left. He was 126th yeah. on the money list. Oh, Mr. 126. And he got up May tour because he's now 125th when Rom left. Oh, yeah. Okay. And he, I mean, I, that was huge for him, right? For his career yeah. and, and his status and all that because that was uh, – I mean, did he end up top five, or he, he would. Every, everybody was wow. so bunched up that one or two shots meant you might lose five to ten spots right there. So huge for him. Good. All Good. right. Yeah. When, when we come back, Capital Golf Gang, we'll talk about the new line of AI golf equipment, like the AI smoke from Callaway. How long will that be a buzz sizzle word in the equipment industry? I'm sure Buddy has thoughts on that. Also, Rory hits balls with an old driver. Shocker, they don't go nearly as far. And a Monday open qualifier shoots 127. What a clown. We'll blast him next. You are listening to the Capital Golf Gang right here. Welcome back. Second segment here, week two, Capital Golf Gang, director of golf, John Rodas at River Creek in Leesburg, Virginia, here as always. How's winter treating you in the golf course, Mr. Rodas? It's very cold. 
a nice little break, snow on the ground, getting some more tomorrow, and then a massive warm-up at the end of the week. So looking good. Here come the hoopleheads after that. John Gould, the executive director of the Mid-Atlantic PGA. Are all the tournaments set for the upcoming year, Mr. Gould? Yes. Yes, we're all set, and we're looking forward to going to uh, Orlando for our PGA Merchandise Show and get some sponsors oh, yeah. for our events. Oh, very nice. I'll and, see you uh, down there. Buddy Christensen from Golfdom joins us. I was in the store the other day to see you and say hi, and it was beautifully quiet. It was almost like golfers said, okay, we bought all our stuff for Christmas. I'm going to sit tight for a minute. Then we're going to start trickling in. Is that how the cycle works in the retail biz? It's definitely January, definitely the slowest month, but you're also catching us right after that little holiday rush and the returns and everything, the Zabin returns and, hey, and all of that. Hey, hey. Um, For sure. <laughs> but uh, no, then you got this little window of time between the new product being introduced and, and uh, put out there. Um, so it, that's really now all of a sudden this week and next week, it'll get uh, ramped up a little bit just from excitement, even though we've got a bunch of snow on the ground now. Yeah. Also, while we're on retail, let's give this shout out. Uh, you lost a friend and a colleague in the business. Uh, in fact, we lost two Carls this week in the golf business. Uh, Carl of Carl's Golfland, as well as Carl Paul of Golfsmith. Tell me about your friend Carl of Carl's Golfland. I'm sorry that his last name escapes me at the moment. Yeah, it's Carl Rose, and he's he's Carl Rose Jr. His father and mother actually started their business in the late late fifties, early sixties. Um, I think it's it just hit sixty years, so a few years ago. Um, and and Carl Senior passed away uh, in twenty twenty. But Carl Jr. had been running the store, and Carl Jr. I, I think he was in his mid to upper 60s, mid 60s probably. And uh, he's been a close friend of mine in the industry since late 90s. Um, just one of those really intense guys. Um, you always knew where you stood with him. And that was, you know, the vendors, uh, the customers, his employees um, expected a lot of, of his employees, but but rewarded them very well. Just a great, great businessman, a, a mentor of mine, someone that I learned a lot from. Felt like I made it in the golf business once I got to hang out with him and some other other names. If, if you look at golf retail and you had the the Mount Rushmore, he's certainly on it. You know, and Edwin Watts would be another one. Um, but, you know, I just remember we were on the phone daily after uh, when COVID hit. And he's got two stores in Michigan um and and got really big online uh right after golf smith went out almost 10 years ago so he's been a big national player for a little while but you know we talk daily about what are we going to do today and and getting through and and i you know i remember asking what what are you going to do with employees and he had he had a lot i had 25 employees he probably had a couple hundred and uh he's like we're paying them all and we're doing we're doing everything as though it's normal you know are you you prepared to do that and i'm like i am and happy to do it. And, it, you know, just to have that kind of influence. And, and we had no idea that two months later, business might would, would be back. Okay. And then six months later, it'd be Boom. the craziest time we've ever lived in. Yeah. Um, so I, I, you know, I miss him, you know, it's, it's very sad. It, it, it was sudden. He had had cancer was cancer free. I talked to him Thanksgiving day and he was he was good. He went to the Lions game on on January first and oh, and was fine and and passed away suddenly. I'll be at his funeral uh, Sunday before the show. We're gonna fly up there in the morning, go to it, end up in uh, Florida by by late Sunday. But um, just just a an icon in the business, um, uh, unbelievable. Uh, I mean, great person, but but really from from golf retail, he was. He was number one, and uh, and Carl Paul. I didn't really know John. I think has a connection yeah. with him, um, but they they kind of started retail with golf. Well, started outside of retail with Golfsmith, grew that into what it was, sold it in the early two thousand. So I didn't really know them at all. But but he was another you know big name. So yeah, two two Carls lost right. this week. So my, Carl, uh, my hold on, Carl into that family. Okay, yeah. Carl Rose was from Michigan, and Carl's yeah, so, Golfland. Yeah. Michigan, Michigan, as I think you'll back me up, Mr. Gould, is one of the most golf-crazy states in the country. 
which makes no yeah, sense whatsoever. Window, but they get it in. They get it in. They, I think they have the most golf courses per capita. Do they not in the state? I think that's uh, an I'm actual stat. I'll look that yeah, up. But it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Okay, so Michigan-based two physical stores, but a big online presence. Carl's Golfland, right? Yeah, and and their big their big event was a demo day that they did up there, and it would be a, a month long demo day event. <laughs> a and demo it was month. In February in yeah every weekend, but February in Detroit, and it would be lines of people going to it. Now, what? can you imagine the weather in Detroit in February? Unbelievable. But heated tees at their range, but but they would all come out for it. Okay, Carl Paul of Golfsmith, Mr. Ronas, yeah. you go ahead and give me a quick so, eulogy on him and the and the company. Golfsmith is out of business now, or the the brand is no longer. They they sold, and they eventually they sold to a venture capitalist, and then eventually it was taken over by uh, Dick's or Golf Galaxy or whatever it may be. But um, my niece married a fellow named Braden Rinky, who's who that's his grandfather. And um, so they started in Jersey and then they moved to Texas. And so I got to meet them um, at the wedding in the few days during that. It's the, the thing that strikes you. And I'm sure um, Carl Rose is the same thing. It's the family atmosphere. It's, it's the whole family's involved in the, in the business and they kept it kind of small, but huge, you know, so it was, everyone was involved. Everyone was on board and they really took family first. And it was just a cool, as someone that successful in the industry that I'm part of, it was just cool to meet um, the patriarch of that. Nice. Okay. All right. Let's, uh, let's get to this new line of AI equipment. First goal, is it legal to use artificial intelligence in your golf clubs? Does the USGA or the Royal and Ancient have any opinion on artificial intelligence? No, not in not in production of the golf clubs. You can't use AI in your actual swing, but there's nothing, <laughs> nothing, nothing preventing using uh, any resource, old or new, uh, to uh, to figure out how to make a golf. Club. So, an app on your phone that uses AI scraping wind data, temperature data, yardage data, and then suggesting knowing your average club head speed based on the balls they track. Ooh, I'm thinking right now. There could be a great AI app for your game, right? A virtual a, a, a AI caddy. App. Totally illegal. Yes, it'd right, be great. Right, right. Okay. Yeah. Um, buddy, talk to me. This AI thing, it's hot. It's a sizzle. They're really good golf clubs. Callaway started this with the Rogue, right, where they used an AI algorithm to sort of design the face. And Yes. Yeah. Talk to I'm, me more I'm about trying it. to think. My, yeah, I think it was epic. Yeah, epic was... And I but think it was they were using it prior to that, but they were more and more using it and 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 marketing it. But yes, Epic Rogue might have been the first time they talked about it. Um, but they've been they've been using it for a while as a technology. The amount of R and D these companies really put into it is, is there. I mean, it's um, they are really trying different ways of doing it, and using AI can get them to be able to test products so much uh, more efficiently and quicker and and move ahead and identify what works and what doesn't work uh, before they have to go build, you know, trial models yeah. and see how that'll work. So um, I, I do, I think you're, you're the way you're, you're questioning it and asking with the, the sizzle of AI, I think that will wear a little bit in terms of, you know, it won't have the same pop of like, Oh my God, this is something so new and so ahead of times, but the actual AI being used is going to be used in golf clubs for, for the foreseeable future. And and think of it this way, Zay, for the common person who wants to know what, what is it doing? Like that's what I in the know. past engineers would make a driver head and they could maybe make four or five, six or seven of these driver heads. And then they would test them out with AI. They can have, First of all, they said we had 15,000 iterations in the first time they started using the word AI. Now they'll have 150,000 iterations of a club that they can now go build two or three of those. But the So they're fact not is building 150,000 club heads. No. Right. They're using the, the computer to virtually test where they go, okay, let's design yeah. it a few more CCs over here. I want a yep. one mil thick face here. I want it one and a half yes. mil here. How does that fly exactly. on center hits, off head, off center hits, toe hits, heel hits? And then they look at the results and go, okay, forget that. Or they just tell the computer, it, you tell me which well, one's the best. The, the, com- the computer's going 24 hours a day, 365. So imagine someone doing that 
24, 365. And also they're compiling data from the average golfer and where they hit the ball on the face throughout every swing that they can, they can get their hands on. So it's something that a, a human being couldn't do, not to mention the machines to build that. So they're just way ahead of the game by using this artificial intelligence. Yeah, and Zabe, I would say to, to follow up on Buddy's point to answer your question, I think AI is here to stay in terms of design and, and you know, uh, what, what Rona said in terms of being able to work 24-7 and work in the problem. It's just not going to be a marketing buzz in, I don't know, you pick it, three months, six months, a year. We're just going to assume AI is involved and it's just going to be, it, we'll just talk, talk about the club or what we called it or anything like that. It, and it won't be an AI buzz. It's going to be a buzz for a new product that just happens to be derived from AI. Really? Okay. And things like and things like the ball rollback, this will play into that too. How how is that now affecting how's that playing with these new golf balls? How does that work with the existing equipment? And you know, how do we get that back to where we need it to be um to perform like it was with the other golf balls? Well, how are you going to put the AI genie back in the AI bottle? I don't know how you will. You won't. You won't. You just you won't. won't use it as a marketing piece, to. as John said. Oh, yeah, okay. Marketing piece. We're going to use it forever. It's never yeah. going away. It's just you know, you're not going to model. You're not going to sell a Callaway club and say this is an AI based club. It's just going to be a club. Yeah, that's it. And and let's face it, you know, drivers are six hundred bucks now, so they have to give some reason of why this price is still so expensive. Because if they were using the same machines that they bought, let's face it, fifteen years ago when no when they tracked when they they made the limits on the um, moment of inertia and the, and the uh, uh, BB core so that's baseball terminology, but how fast the ball can come off. If that's the same technology, then why would the price keep going up now with AI and the investment that they put in there? Uh, that's something that has cost them a lot of money. So they have to charge this. Now that technology will be less and less expensive also, but we know prices aren't going backwards. Did you see Rory use an old tailor-made driver and it only carried 244 and 250 on back-to-back wow. swings. Did you see that video? I did. I saw the video. I, I'd be. What, do you know what balls they used in that, I, Steve? I didn't. Watch I it do close not enough. know. They did. They didn't do a great job of explaining it. They used old golf balls. Golf balls. They did. Oh, yeah. well, that's a big difference. <laughs> well, but you know what? They needed to because the new golf balls do not work well with the old equipment. In other words. The new golf balls are meant to do something that the old clubs are not needing it to do, and now it's the opposite, where where the balls need to. Uh, you used to not want to get the ball straight up in the air as quickly as you could, have it fly straight out as far as you can, come down as steep as you can, uh, with the way the equipment was built back then. So if they use the old balls, then I think that's a little more. That's more of a fair comparison than I kind of was thinking it was. Huh. And I would say, too, that the thing that is often forgotten when we talk about distance is out on tour, the fairways are built so hard and so fast that they're getting, you know, it's, we just watched it in Hawaii, which was excessive, but they're still getting 30 or 40 yards of roll. So even if he hit it 244, he's hitting a 280, 90-yard drive because yeah. of the way the fairways are groomed on tour. Right. Well, you know, I guess I didn't know they were using old balls. That is certainly a factor in all of this. Um, but it just, I, I refuse to believe that Rory can't hit it as far as the top drivers in 1983. Let me put it that right. way. I refuse right. to believe if you flew Rory back in a time machine to 1986 and it was him and Dan Pohl or whoever led the the tour in distance, that he wouldn't be able to outdrive him. He's a better athlete. Now, he's got better form. He's got better club head speed, no matter what they're using. He would. He would. It's all it's that's marketing. But but again, I think Steve, John's right. That that two that two fifty may have been a two hundred and ninety five yard drive and he may have missed it. And and, and his swing well, may but two forty four of carry Two forty four of carry is completely, you know, like that's unheard of for a guy like Rory in a modern world. Oh, for sure. Yeah, Rory's also not used to having to hit it on the pinpoint part of his uh, driver <laughs> like he used to have to do either. 
You can yeah. get away with a little more nowadays. Yeah, but the, in like 1991, 288 was the leader in distance. You're looking like it up Peter right now, Thor- 1991? Who no, led in 91? No. Oh. I think it might have been John Daly in like 91. And it was 288 was that number that you kept on seeing for Daly. Uh, Daly, Daly led, the, led the tour at under at 300? One, I thought I he... at one point, yeah. Okay. I mean, I guess... Yeah, I don't think 300 was, was until the... I don't even think the late nineties until the late nineties that that was leading on tour. We could look it up. I don't know, but and I, and I do believe the golf ball had a lot to do with it because it, it made some serious strides. Remember, uh, let's see, Daly was Wilson, so he was using a Wilson ball. You're talking about Tour Edition, which was a marshmallow. That's what Norman was using. The Titleist at the time was a Tour Ballada, probably at that time. I mean, the golf ball was a marshmallow. All right, here you want to see the Rory video? I've got it for you. You can just yeah. comment as it goes. Big Bertha back in the day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah, give me one of these. The original one. Look how tiny Ooh. that looks. 12 degrees. Gonna <laughs> <laughs> reach the fairway with this? <laughs> <laughs> Look at that thing. A little soft. Just a little soft. It's nice. I have one more. I'll hit the fairway with one, see where it goes. <laughs> so whippy. Oh my god, that throws like yards. He uh he then hit one with a somewhat more modern tailor made. I couldn't quite tell what it was. It looked to me like a great Big Bertha Callaway, not a TaylorMade, but a great Big Bertha Callaway, and he hit it a lot farther. He carried it like two eighty eight. What do you think of that well, video? He also have that steel shaft too. Yeah, he's got a steel shaft in that thing. And that I was bet, the, I bet if they let him work on that a little bit more, he'd get more out of it. I, I think you know that two fifty number was just him hitting it a couple times. But I think if he really tried to dial it up a little bit, he could probably figure out how to do it. But it would be different than how he's doing it nowadays. Yeah, did you hear him say, the, he, he the said ball. how whippy it was. He said how <laughs> yeah. it was so well, whippy. Because it, it, yeah, it feels whippy because it's a steel shaft. But the other thing is that his ball speed was 168, and Rory's got to be in the low 180s minimum. So you're talking, that's a lot of ball speed that's gone. Right. All right. Well, it was yeah. it was interesting for sure. Uh, one more thing before we take our second break, and then we'll get to our quick nine. Apparently, anyone at least once can sign up for a U.S. Open local qualifier, right, Mr. Gould? This is the very first infant baby step stage of trying to make it into the People's Open. Now, they ask for a handicap, right, of under 2 point something? 2.4. 2.4, and it's the honor system. They're not going to check, or do they check on your handicap within the gin system? Well, first of all, uh, the qualifier we're talking about is not U.S. Open, but a PGA Tour qualifier. Um, oh, and, I thought it was. The U.S. Open is, is a 2.4 uh, index or below, unless you're a professional. And if you're a professional, you just sign that you're a professional and you can play. And that's where the kind of the, the, the loophole is. Hey, I was a 10 handicap, but I turned pro. So now I can play without uh, measuring my handicap. Um, Okay, well, so here, here's the story. story. Yeah. Here's a story. At a U.S. Open local qualifier in Alabama this week, this is from, oh, this is from 2017. Uh, <laughs> how, well, it happened how, at the Phoenix Open. The Phoenix uh, Open is having their first, they have their pre-qualifiers. They have eight pre-qualifiers, top four from each, make it into the Monday qualifier to get top four so wait, for the Phoenix Open. Could this have been another guy that also shot 127 that I just quickly Correct. Googled and got? <laughs> yes. So there's still exactly there's new so, so... dingbats shooting the same awful <laughs> score year after, right. year after year. So this guy shot 127 in the pre-qualifier, and obviously the biggest hardship is the two guys that are playing with him. Right. right? That, that right. are uh, trying to make a living, and this guy is just living out his... Yeah. Here, here he is right here. Hold on a second. Uh, you know, when because he played in a not even a Monday qualifier now. We're talking about a pre-qualifier. And that's really the re- one of the reasons they went to this pre-qualifier is that too many yokels were showing up on Monday. And if there's only one course, you got 144 spots taken away from somebody who could really make, make earn, the, earn the spot. 
All right, here's here's the guy's swing. Take a look at this. Oh Lord. Nice. <laughs> How you know you what like though, to... Dave? He shot seventy seven at his home course the weekend before. <laughs> From I tell the front you, I really and what, did. I Yeah, really what do you did. do on the back nine, I really I was pretty good the other weekend. I was taking some lessons. I felt pretty good. <laughs> it was just me and my buddy Jerry. We were having yeah. a good time. We had our dog with us. Good. It was nice. Had a few cocktails. Right. Shot 77. Right. Could have been a 74 easy. Missed a few right. easy putts. Yep. Right. I'm ready for the right. tour. Right. Yeah, so I, I've had the pleasure of, of running uh, multiple uh, tour qualifiers. We used to have the Anheuser-Busch uh, event and the uh, the uh, uh, event in D.C. And, uh, you know, it, it's a tough thing because this is the this person's dream. And in some cases, they pay $300, $400 entry fee. Um, and generally when this happened, I didn't make them quit. I try to convince them to quit. Uh, so I'd say, you know, these guys you're playing with, you're really distracting. Uh, you're slowing them down. The pace is terrible because you just made a 12. Um, you know, tell you what, I'll give you your entry fee back. Why don't you go practice for another year and we'll try it again. Wow. Check me Uh, if I'm wrong. Check me if I'm wrong. There was a pull cart in the background there too, wasn't there? Yeah, I think there was, but I had no authority at the time. (laughs) What do you got against pull pull carts? There it is right there. There it is. Come on, you pull yeah. card snob. But Buddy, did you, see you guys got pull cards available pull card. at uh, Golfdom, right? In Tyson's Corner? I think he's got a pretty field. good swing for shooting 127, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah you haven't seen his short game yet. Short game is straight <laughs> yeah. trash. It just failed that day. He could have shot 115 if it was only yeah. putting better. Just a couple putts. <laughs> just a couple putts away. Yeah. So, but imagine if you're trying to shoot 400 to make it. You know, oh, right. God. well, and, and I guess they, they flag these guys and they make sure they don't enter again. They're like, OK, we know oh, about we, you. We, we, we send them into the tour and the tour yeah, puts them on the list. They can't they, they can't play for a couple of years or something like <laughs> on that. a list. That's great. I love Someone it. put a good idea on Twitter when they're following it, it says, why don't you just do nine hole scoring? If they don't break 44, they just they walk from the ninth green to the parking lot and quit right there. Yeah. No, that's like a marathon. The one, they have those the ones marathons. who are. The yeah. ones who are trying probably leave if they don't shoot below forty after the front nine. No, right? they, yeah, if they bogey yeah. the first two holes, a lot of them walk off. Yeah, yeah. They, they know they're not making it. I well, first of all, I commend you for playing Monty Hall and let's make a deal with the guys. Hey, what do you say? <laughs> what do you say? I refund your entry fee and you can practice and come back. Uh, never would be a good time, but yeah, here's your money back. Or in somebody else's section, so I don't have to deal yeah. with you. But I think yeah. a more effective way to get through would be one very mean-looking German Shepherd on a leash. That's all it would mm-hmm. take. You there on your yeah. cart with the German Shepherd, and you look at him and you go, you really stink. You need to probably quit. <laughs> down, boy, down. Yeah. Good boy. He's yeah. fine. <laughs> yeah. This dog hates bad golfers. <laughs> nothing, can, nothing this dog can bad. sniff out bad golfers, <laughs> yeah. and he hates them. He doesn't like them. No, Sorry, really I hope doesn't. he doesn't get off the leash. <laughs> right. I'm holding on as hard as I can. You, you just know. shot 63 on the front, and this guy's aching to get off the leash. <laughs> You're not going to make it to the 10th tee. Imagine a dog that really could detect <laughs> yeah, fantastic. bad golfers. Yep. All right. Companion dogs, drug sniffers, and then bad golfer sniffers. Right. It'd be like a drug-sniffing dog, but for golf. Yeah. They can sniff. Yeah, that's great. They, we golf. can train them. They can follow me around. be perfect. If you could train them to yeah. sniff cheaters, wouldn't that be oh, a benefit for every great. member guest in America? Yeah, great. Yeah, well, unfortunately, you know you'd need thirty of those dogs. One <laughs> <laughs> per group. They, they wouldn't be able to sniff enough. No, what's great is you got to do it like in the airport. They got to walk single file by the dog, you know, from, from the clubhouse to their cart, and that's when they sniff it out. <laughs> those sixty teams would end up being like fourteen teams for the tournament. <laughs> All right, final break. We'll come back, play a quick nine. You're listening to the Capital Golf Gang. Okay, final segment here. We got the boys, John Rodas, John Gould, Buddy Christensen. As always, uh, if you're in the DMV area, uh, sign up for events through the uh, Middle Atlantic PGA section. Uh, what's the f- first best place to go, Mr. Gould, to get into some events this year? Well, what, yeah, you know, what, what we do for amateurs is our, is our junior tour. So mapga.com, and you click on the junior tab. The uh, entries are already on there and open. We've had over uh, 400 entries so far since January 1 uh, for different events. 
uh, yeah, so let's let's get this season planned. Get your uh, vacation schedule planned. Get those kids playing uh, playing golf and learn how to play on a golf course other than their own. All right, but if you're not a kid, if state. you're a grown ass adult, where don't you have events you guys run that you know adults can play? Uh, Maryland State Golf Association, Virginia State Golf Association. Go to your amateur associations. Oh, for okay. Events. So the MAPGA only runs the junior stuff. Yeah, See, this is the Mid-Atlantic. It's the Mid-Atlantic PGA. We only handle pros and juniors. Well, that's <laughs> that fine. They, they, let the, they don't want to take everyone's you know, fun away, Mr. Ross. Yeah, we have great partners with the VSGA and the MSGA and the Mid-Atlantic Golf Association that run awesome amateur events. Plenty of events out there. Go to their websites and get okay. signed up. Okay, very good. And it, it is the best junior tour in the country. It is really? awesome. You know that for a fact. Better than Texas, better than Florida, better better than California. Oh, wow. The best, Jerry, the best. The the best, Jerry, I'm (laughs) telling you. Okay, if you uh, need lessons for you or your junior, go see uh, Mr. Ronas there at River Creek in Leesburg. Uh, What's the best way for people to reach you? Uh, By telegraph. Telegraph. Be good. Okay. (laughs) Don't be a smartass. Website, phone number, uh, website, phone number. Let's go. We have a website. We have River Creek, our website, and then um, you can always reach me at the golf shop. At uh, You can figure that out. But, um, again, the Mid-Atlantic PGA Junior Tour is fantastic for your kids. If you're going to buy golf equipment, go buy it from Buddy. And if you'd like a lesson, 703-728-2785. Okay, there you go. I'm letting you self-promote, and you're getting all shy. Buddy ain't going to be shy about self-promoting. Golfed them by Worldwide Golf. Did I get that right? The new you name. got that right. Yeah. Golfed them by Worldwide Golf. Their new motto, boys, is get there. Get there. I love it. Has multiple I've layers of meaning. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Tyson's Corner, Annapolis, Rockville, and, of course, on the web at golfdomgolf.com, right? Yes, golfdomgolf.com will feed to world, wgs.com, okay. worldwidegolfshops.com, and, and we've got our own page on there. But, yes, that will get you to where you need to be. All right, very good. With that said, let's play a quick nine. Here we go. Hole number one. What would you do if they put one round of one of the majors behind a paywall like Peacock? Because that was kind of the football equivalent with the Chiefs uh, being on Peacock. You had to pay for Chiefs and uh, Dolphins. What would you, like as a golfer, would you flip out? Or what would you say? I would do the same I would do the same thing that I did for the Chiefs game. And Not buy watch? It. No, I no, bought, it. bought it. Oh, you would. You would buy it. I, I did. What about the second round of, well, if I say this, John will get mad PGA. <laughs> 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 well, I'll, I'll put it this way. If the Masters charged, you know, 10 bucks to use their, their app for the week, I'd pay that in a heartbeat. Well, of course. That's, that, that, that's pretty awesome. That's I mean, the, the Masters. That. So, the Masters, so, you're like, here, just take it. Like, is that enough? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Ghoul, what about you? The same as Ronus. Uh, I'm going to do the same thing as I did the Chiefs game, which is not watch it. Uh, okay. You know, if I don't have that app, and I've got I've got a few of them, but, uh, you know, I basically draw a line and said, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to have all of them. Uh, if it's not on the one I have, I'm just going gonna, gonna to right. skip it. And so hopefully the numbers are down. So they say that was a bad idea. Will, I'm not doing it yet. Will we see it in our I'm lifetime? I'm going to cancel it next week. So it's $5.99. Okay. Will, we see it, will, we, will we see it in our lifetime? That oh, scenario. Yeah. Pay-per-view majors golf. Streaming. Money. Oh, I, I say so. no. Answer is I no. I think we'll see it in our lifetime. Okay. I say no. Ronald. Golf. Golf's got nope. a lot. No. Golf's got a lot to fix right now, right? Between Live and PGA Tour, I don't think they. I I don't see it happening anytime. Myself, not, buddy, golf is not football, buddy. They're not right. fix. They're not fixing. True. They're still in the wrecking mode. They're busy wrecking things now. Yeah, I know. They they, they, go they, back when they're and done wrecking, it, though, then they'll point. think about the fixing, and maybe they will start to do that. But yeah, yeah okay. Hopefully, hole number two, quick nine. Rank the stupid. Rank the stupid. Iron covers, golf ball spinners to find the seam so you can then mark it. Or bubble levels that you put on the green to help you read the break. I want the stupidest one, the second stupidest two, and the not-so-stupid three. 
or if they're all stupid, whatever. Just rank them. One, two, three. Gold, silver, bronze. Rank the stupid. Ronus, you go first. Well, the bubble thing is ludicrous. It's completely ludicrous. <laughs> That's number like one. It's, it's just completely ludicrous. Okay. Um, the, the second one is iron covers. Was that one of them? Iron covers and golf ball spinners. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on. What are we doing here? We'll rank them. <laughs> what, what, what do you mean, what are we doing? We're ranking them. Uh, I, we'd go with iron covers second, and then the, the spinning thing would be the next. Because – there's no seams in the balls like they used to be anyways. There's, it's, just, it's total nonsense. <laughs> okay, but they sell those items. Buddy, you're next. Rank the stupid. So, yeah, yeah I agree. The bubble level, like, what are you going to do? Just move that every inch all the way up to the uh, maybe the, the cup there? Don't tempt people. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like Zabe's uh, got a three-footer figured out at Loudon. No. Um, but I, uh, I would say that would be my least – the. Well, no, the ball spinner. I mean, they're, they're making equipment so well these days. You, you're, if you're worried about that, that's that's too much. Then the, the iron covers are actually making a little bit of a comeback. I know Come that's on. scary, and they and, are. and and I, I'm not supporting it. I'm just saying that right. there's more of that out there right now. Right. Like more people thinking about it, using them. The guy, uh, the guy from India is using them. Yes, for, right? yes. Uh, I forget his name, but, but, but he's I, I think trying to make them cool. Uh, trying rock, to make them a thing, rye okay. or something. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so cool. I think there's there's going to be some of that. Go cool. rank the stupid. Yeah, so ball spinners are the most stupid because there's really no point. I'm actually going to say the level is the most useful, the least stupid, not because you can't use it in competition. So to, to Buddy's point, you're not going to be going back, you know, every inch and doing it. But if you're in a practice round and you're just trying to see, you know, how steep is this green? It's, it's, it's not something I would do. Okay. But it's got a useful component to it. So I'm going to say that's the least stupid. And then the iron covers are stupid, but <laughs> they got to go in the middle. So that's what they are. All right. Uh, the answer is the ball spinner is the stupidest by far. Because right. not only is the equipment, like you said, made so well, and there really is no seam. But, hey, dipstick, you're the one putting all the sideways spin on the ball with your crap <laughs> right. swing. So it doesn't right. matter. So that's number one stupidest. The second is the bubble level, which you're right, it's useless in golf, but you could probably hang a picture with it so it has some utility in your home. And the iron covers, while stupid, will at least cover your irons. So the iron covers do what they are advertised to do, for what it's worth. Okay. Very, cover very, very well thought out. That's how I reason it out. Okay, hole number three. Question. Hole number three, name one golfer that you will never, ever participate in criticizing amongst your fellas in the grill room jack nicholas okay buddy i was gonna say jack but god he's done some things in the last few years business-wise that are a little wonky too so i don't know that i could really say that about anyone arnold palmer okay palmer arnie all right cool I'm going to just go a little more more modern. Uh, I've I've said this. I've admitted my bias uh, several times on this show. Uh, Justin Thomas, just because he's a son of a PGA professional, I, his same number's name as my son. I just I don't know. It's hard okay. for me to say anything negative. All right. Uh, we had this discussion on a group chat, and it was about the big three, about Nicholas, Player, and Palmer, and I forget what it was in context to. I think it was a news story that said that Palmer, when he was alive was in a meeting with Norman about the World Golf Tour when Norman wanted to cook that up. And he basically said, you know what? Back in the day, don't you think, Greg, that me and Jack had all kinds of opportunities to, quote, go our own way, but we didn't because it was better for the fellas? Well, this is garbage, and I want no part of it. Got up and walked out of the room. And so it got a discussion of, yeah, well, but there was some low-level Arnold Palmer blaspheming going on. And I jumped in to go, I don't want to hear this. To me, the big three hung the stars. I cannot and will not be part of any blaspheming of any of the three, even though I know they got their shortcomings. I mean, Gary Player is turning into a whack job, and his brother Mm -hmm. is a complete nutball. I don't care. Mm -hmm. Love him too much. Same thing for Artie. Super Sky Point and Jack. So there you go. Hole number four. Is finding a woman to date who is an avid golfer a worthy pursuit, or are you unicorn hunting? None of this applies to us. We're all happily married. 
But what do you think if you're a young man who loves golf and you're like, I'm going to find a gal who loves to golf. I'm going to date her and make her my wife. I wonder what you think. I, oh, dear God. I, I can't. I couldn't fathom talking more golf all day long. <laughs> like, you know, you finish the round, then we want to go through the round. You know, women like to talk a little bit. Oh, then, they do. Yes, yeah, share their day. I'm the best, I'm Have the best questions. At back to them. Right. So eventually it'd be like, you know, that three footer I missed on 14 and you're like, mm hmm. Well, what's the matter? Why aren't you talking to me back? I mean, it's just over <laughs> honey, golf. I honey, can't handle honey, am I shut at the top? There's enough. I swear I'm shut at the top on 15. You saw that. Yeah, I was closed, yeah. wasn't I? I just want to eat this burnt chicken. Please. <laughs> Let's not talk about the 15th when All you right. got cooked. It. Buddy, ghoul, any thoughts? Uh, I would say I, I think it's a worthy pursuit as a young uh, young man when because uh, if you want to play golf uh, with no uh, complaints and no limitations all your life, you want your wife to also want to play golf uh, to do that. So it's worthy. It's probably not uh, someone you're going to find. To your point, it's a, <laughs> a bit of unicorn, but it's a worthy pursuit. It's a worthy unicorn hunt, is what you're saying. It's both. Yes, it's worthy, but it's a unicorn Correct. hunt. Buddy, last uh, on this topic. What? Yeah, I mean, I guess I see where you're coming from, John, but I think there's also something to be said for being apart from each other and getting a little fresh air apart from each other, and the wife can go do what she wants to do, and I can sneak out to the golf course. We're on nice vacation somewhere. If I can go sneak a couple rounds of golf in, I'm happy. She's got eight hours of quiet by herself. She's happy. Um, I think that's I think that's just fine the way it's working out. All right. Without. <laughs> All right. Very good. Uh, hole number five. How come no chipping? Hmm. Oh, because have you seen the people chipping? <laughs> I was going to say. Yeah. Exactly. First of all, On the they practice don't know, right? they yeah. don't know where the fringe and the rough and the green start. That's the first comment. So they're eventually they'll just be chipping on the green. I saw a guy on TV do this. I want to practice it. Second, you're going to hit someone because you can't chip. You're going to skull one and hit someone putting in the ankles. It's just one of those things that, you have to put down there because there's too many idiots in the world. Damn. Can't believe that. And also, I don't think, I don't think enough of the amateurs know the difference between chipping and pitching. So they're hitting balls from 20 feet and they're lobbing, hitting lob shots and actually creating ball marks uh, on the, on the, what, the green that other people might want to putt on. Uh, so I, I think the combination of what Rona said in that, it's a little too much for, you can't play, you can't do it everywhere. So you got to okay. have chipping green. All right, buddy. I, you know, I think if, if 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 there is chipping going on and I see someone not chipping very well, I'm not going to go putt on that green. So I'll just stay <laughs> away, and I'm happy with the no chipping at that point. Would it surprise you for me to tell you that I once was yelled at by a marshal? Got into an argument with him, actually, at, uh, at uh, Raspberry Falls out there in Leesburg, which has a wonderful pitching area at a public course, a closely mown area with a, a pitching and chipping green, where you can go out to as maybe as long as 40 or 50 yards. Very rare in a public course to have this, right? I'm there alone, and I'm chipping from the fringe cut, Mr. Ghoul. You know what that is, onto the green. But it was close enough that he thought from afar in his cart, being Mr. Marshall, that I was on the green. So he came over and was like, you can't chip from there. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And I was pointing, and he's like, no, that's that. No, you can't. I was like, but I want to chip from a tight lie. Funny. Guy probably if if the question golf. is, am I surprised? No, I'm not surprised. Not surprised. You got yeah. caught I know. I'm not surprised. <laughs> okay, okay, hole number six. Windy and 50 or light rain and 70? Windy and no 50. No brainer here. Windy, no brainer. windy and 50 or light 70, rain and 70? 70 and light rain, two reasons. Yeah. It's warmer. And second, there's less people on the golf course that day. Anytime oh, it rains. Card path only. Close. I go play. Card path only. Because there's no one out. Yeah, it's card path only, raining all day. Steady light rain care. all day. I walk. Okay. Yeah. All right, boys. Yeah, I can handle uh, the I'm... rain. I can handle the rain a lot better than I can handle the cold. Mm. And the, and the totally... wind affects my golf ball so much. Exactly. I, I don't like that wind. Totally in with the rain. And, and you said light rain, too. Like, that's that's easy. It's... I, I'd take light rain and 50 over... Windy and 50. <laughs> okay. All right. uh, number seven, how is nil money going in college golf? Anyone know about this? I mean, now that 
Yeah. Athletes in other sports are getting paid. Is it lucrative? Are they getting club deals? Are they getting apparel deals? What's going on? They already have all the club deals and everything because that's now legal. So you don't have to worry about that. But um, there is no money out there. And it's it's uh, it's proper for what golf would bring. But there's a an avid car dealer in the area, you know, and they want to uh, give some nil money to a, uh, a player so that they play a couple times a year. It's out there. Um, Michael Brennan has some nil money and um, it, it, it helps. It definitely helps. Are you know, some not, of the are some of the big programs really killing it? Or do they got a big golf nil war chest to steal guys from or no i don't think so again it's not football but it's it's enough to get a kid started in the right direction i mean if if over four years you put 30 or 40 grand in the bank that's a lot of money for a kid sure for sure i would think it'd be very active because golf is a affluent sport and so it's got people with money who might want to pay a college kid so that he can be with that player as they become a pro and maybe a superstar, right? Get their hooks into them, so to speak. Yep. Okay. Yep. Hold From a manufacturer standpoint, yeah. 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 All right. Hole number eight. Name one strategic epiphany that you like to share with other golfers. I'll give you mine to start. So it took me a long time to figure this out, but I have come to finally realize that water on a par three is death. Do not, under any circumstances, hit it into any water on a par three because you almost certainly are going to make a double. Here's why. Up and down out of the water for bogey, it's almost always going to be from 20, 30, 40 yards, depending on where the body of water is. You rarely get to drop close to the green when you hit in the water on a par three. On a par four, if you hit your tee shot into a lake, you hook it in there. Usually you can drop at the edge of the lake and still have a longer shot in to be on the green and two putt for bogey or get close and have a reasonable up and down chance. It's on par threes, you almost never recover. I finally just realized if you put it in the water, so avoid it at all costs. That's mine. You know, Zabe, I thought you were kidding there for a second when you first started saying that. But Me too. what you're saying is that you would you would avoid it at all costs, even if you had to um, you know, hit a nine iron out to the right and then chip on from there. So now I, or I, miss I, truly, long. I truly do understand what you're saying there. Well, I, opinion, when I say all costs, I mean, don't abandon trying to play the hole normally, but give it even more caution than normal because. Yeah, yeah take an extra club, for example. Right. To make and, sure you don't miss short. And that would apply as well on par fours where there's water near the green that if you hit your ball in the water on an approach shot, your ability to recover is gone now, and you're facing yep. a, a big number potentially. Yep, that's a good one. Course okay. right. Mine is the sole of the wedge. Boom. I love Tucker. The sole of the wedge is my epiphany that I would tell everyone to understand and use the sole and the bounce of the wedge. You did that for me. We'll talk more about that mm-hmm. as springtime comes. Buddy. I, you know, John, you told Steve that when after one of the shows, before one of the shows, and I used that at the last half of the year, and I got to say, my confidence with chipping was way higher than it's been in a long time. So thank you for that. It really is not something you think about. You try, you try to do the opposite almost, and you're saying just just let that soul do what what do you what, need it to do. Yeah, it was invented to do bounce off the ground. Uh, cool. You know, it's actually a little bit different than yours, Dave, and it obviously doesn't apply to water par threes. But uh, I I found that it's sometimes it's okay to miss in the front of the green. Sometimes the front of the green is the easiest place to get up and down from. Yeah. Um, You know, because they, you know, on some courses they allow for the run up shot. You know, for those that can't fly the ball. Uh, So, you know, I'm always, I used to always, okay, what's the the yardage to the flag? And sometimes it's just better to play to the front of the green. There's a little bit more room left and right. And I'm pretty confident that I can get up and down from the front of the green uh, yeah. in most cases. Short so, is a um, great option. That could be a T-shirt. Short is a great option. But Except not, on one nah. of our threes for Z. Well, of right. course. Not the, without... great, not, the, not the greatest T-shirt, Z. Okay, I'll work on <laughs> yeah. it. It's an option, yeah. though. Some courses, short, short is a good option. option. Okay, finally, hole number nine. Quick nine, then we're done. Whatever happened to lead tape? Is there rolls and rolls of lead tape 
sitting in some warehouse all sad like nobody buys us anymore. Nobody is changing their swing weight by two grams anymore. (laughs) Buddy, you can check me if I'm wrong on this one, but I believe it was killing people in the factories and they had to ban it for a while. Uh, You know, I don't know if I heard that. I I guess I could believe that. I, I, you know, it's still a little bit out there. Um, But the other thing is using AI back to that, but, but a lot of these, they're, they're putting the weight in these clubs and spots where you really need it anyway. And it's not like, uh, used to be where all, they're all the same. I need this to shut, so I got to put some weight on the inside of it. Or they can even do some of that. I mean, movable weight technology that's been in clubs for a long time. That's essentially what you're trying to do. So some of it's just the way the clubs are built nowadays. But there's uh, there's still and there's good players that that come in with it that will use it from time to time. All right, yeah, I'm going to echo what, what Buddy said. I think the the technology got more and more specific on swing weights. And I remember the dot system for little pings and, and all that stuff. And uh, which was, you know, probably groundbreaking at the time, but now seems antiquated. And then you just get more and more specific about where the weight is. And, you know, I'm just a Joe, Joe amateur out there. And I put weight on the back of the club thinking I'm going to be able to get more swing speed and I'm put in the wrong spot and that's all screwed up. So I think, I think that's basically what happened. The, the club okay. manufacturers got good at it by themselves. When I was starting teaching, I would have guys show up because they were all blades back then, and yeah. they would have the most ludicrous amount of lead tape on some of the things. <laughs> Someone would put it on the sole of the club. Oh, my God. I'm like, what, what, are you, what what's going on here? It's ridiculous. And you were allowed to put it, it on the nothing. club head, but you couldn't put it on the shaft, right? You can't put it on the club head. You can put it on the club head. You can put it on the club but you cannot put it on the shaft. That's no considered. Is that true? No, I'm asking you. But, but it, so it wait, Ghoul, you right can you the, can modify your club with lead tape anywhere on the club? No, I think it's probably just the actual club head because the 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 rules about the shaft are that it's circular in dimension and it, oh, and it right. you know doesn't doesn't change uh, size. Uh, there are some exact things that are probably too technical. So I don't think putting a slab of tape on somewhere keeps it circular. But so if the he- if Back in the day, if lead tape flew off the head of your club during a round, was that modifying your club? No, but you couldn't put it back. No. Yeah. Oh. Time. yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Once it was off, it was off. You couldn't yeah. adjust it during the round. Yeah. Uh, my lead tape flew off. Can I borrow your bubble gum? I need to get it back on, yeah, at least right. for the last couple holes. Quit <laughs> lapping on there. <laughs> all right. Boys, good run. Now, can you stick around for a drink, or you got to go home to the wife? You got to go home? Okay, all right. You got to go? All right, cool. All right. Good round, boys. Capital <laughs> Golf Gang. Just like we played golf, it'll be spring eventually, but it's the dead of winter. There's snow on the ground. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll see you next time on the Capital Golf Gang. This has been the Capital Golf Gang. If you'd like the gang to visit your home course, send your inquiries to Zabe at yahoo.com that's c-z-a-b-e at yahoo.com and for free swag we're all an extra large so yeah 